I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 106 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey there, happy Monday and happy Halloween. I know that today is such a crazy day for teachers and students. And so just know that I am wishing you a fun and productive day with students. Hopefully your students are focused and calm and just really present. And hopefully tonight, if they leave and do a bunch of trick-or-treating, when they return to you tomorrow, they are not in their post-trick-or-treating sugar coma. Now, today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. We have a returning guest, and she is one of my absolute favorite podcasters. Dr. Lori Friesen is back, and she is sharing seven classroom management hacks that you can start using seriously today with your students. And I thought it'd be really fun to bring Lori on to talk more about classroom management for our Halloween episode. But really, we are kind of at that time of year where there's a lot of holiday breaks coming up. Your schedule might be a little bit disrupted with, you know, upcoming Thanksgiving break and then winter break. And then it's also just that time of year where you're sort of past the honeymoon phase and maybe what you were doing at the start of the year for classroom management system or engagement strategies, they might just be starting to wear off a little bit. So I wanted to have Lori come back on and share some tips and strategies that will hopefully give a little bit more refocus to your classroom management strategies. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode. And if you are a new listener, you might want to go back and give episode number 80 a listen. Dr. Lori was actually on last spring, and she shared seven other classroom management hacks. And that episode is one of my most popular episodes downloaded ever on the podcast. So the tips that she has are pure gold, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you on as a guest once again. So welcome. (laughs) 
Hey, Sarah, as always, I'm so happy to be here. It's such a pleasure to hang out with you and to be on your amazing podcast. Absolutely. So for those of you that are maybe new listeners, Lori is one of my favorite recurring guests. I've had her on the podcast in the past, and she is truly an expert in all things classroom management, classroom community, and especially she's like the world's most amazing coach for first-year teachers. I mean, I wish that we were friends when I was a first-year teacher, but really, I when I think back to my first year of teaching, I was like, I would have benefited so much from having someone like Lori just cheering me on. So I know today we're going to be talking about classroom management hacks, which I'm mm-hmm. so excited. But before we jump into the good stuff, can you go ahead and give just a little bit of an intro to my audience, to who you are and who you serve? Sure. Well, thank you so much for such a sweet introduction. You are just such a sweetheart through and through. I absolutely adore you. We connected a couple of years ago, and ever since I've known Sarah, I've just I've just adored her. So I'm so happy to be here today. My name is Dr. Lori Friesen. If you haven't met me before, I'm host of the Beginning Teacher Talk podcast, which is how Sarah and I first connected. And I'm creator of the Ready for School Academy. And I believe that just because you're a beginning elementary teacher, there is truly no need for you to struggle like one. So if you're struggling right now and you're thinking, holy cow, Lori, like, are you serious? Because my year is like really rough right now. I promise you it gets easier. I promise you that what we're going to talk about today, if you take even one great idea from, this is why I love hacks. They can literally give you relief tomorrow with no prep. And they're always those ideas that when you go into an experienced teacher's classroom, you're like, oh my gosh, like, how did I not think of that? So simple, so great. These are literally hacks that I've been gathering over 10 years of teaching when I taught elementary school for 10 years in Canada, Hong Kong, and Japan. I've taught at the college and university level. I've taught kids age two to to adults age 72, like literally everything in between. It's my goal and my mission to be the mentor for new teachers that I wish I had when I first started teaching so that you can literally become the teacher that you've always dreamed of being. So I'm thrilled to be here to talk about some great hacks for classroom management today. I love it. So this is technically a part two episode because you came on last spring to share seven classroom management hacks. And I have to tell you, that has been one of my most popular podcast episodes. Oh, wow. It continues to get like great downloads and everything. And I had so many teachers inside my reading membership comment after that episode. You know, they were like, oh my gosh, I, I did this today with my students and it worked great. You know, like people were like, these things work. So yeah. I, I continue to have teachers that ask sort of like, some questions on classroom management. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot today. And I hope that you have a hack to help out some (laughs) some of these teachers. Let's hope. When I was planning this episode, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is happy Halloween. First of all, everyone. Um, (laughs) I remember when I was in the classroom, holidays like Halloween were somewhat of a nightmare for teachers, especially like beginning teachers. And not just Halloween, I think, you know, we're getting ready to be that time of year where there's a lot of breaks. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Christmas will be here before we know it. And, you know, it's sort of like that countdown between, you know, Halloween to Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving to winter break. So I know classroom management is important. So I'm excited for you to share these hacks. And like Lori said, you can start implementing these things today and see sort of just like instant success. So I would love to know, do you have any hacks to keep the entire class on task, engaged, motivated, especially around these fall holidays? Yes. So it's so interesting that you bring this up because as you were talking about this, I remember I wrote an article for Edutopia all about what new teachers need to know about classroom management. And it's not just new teachers. It's something I learned over the first like five years of teaching. And that's that honestly, classroom management is really a seasonal experience and a seasonal challenge. 
And what I mean by that is so often we set up a classroom management system at the beginning of the school year, but then we realize that what we've set up to inspire and motivate our students at the beginning of the year stops working around like October or November. And that's why we need to keep thinking ahead and have these kinds of seasonal hacks for classroom management at our fingertips when we need something new and fresh to use with our students. So this is a whole class motivator that you can use really anytime during the year when you need to sweeten the deal. I'll tell you how you can adapt it for different seasons to keep students on task. But I especially love this idea for the fall because we're right on Halloween, right? This is going to air on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, happy Halloween. So Thanksgiving <laughs> is just around the corner. So you could start this tomorrow, literally. So this first hack is called pumpkin points. It's so simple. And you're going to see, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I think of this? So all you need is a class set of pumpkin clip art, like literally go onto Canva and grab a class set of pumpkin clip art, just 24 if you have 24 kids or whatever. And then have your students vote on a class reward that they want to work towards and put that on display at the front of the room. And then you just designate what I call a pumpkin patch space on your whiteboard. And students earn a pumpkin whenever they are doing whatever you've asked them to do. So if they're working in small groups and you need them to work on task and stay focused, the class earns a pumpkin, whatever it is, lining up quietly, getting ready for lunch, whatever it is, the class earns a pumpkin. And whenever they've earned a pumpkin for every student in the class, not that every individual student needs to earn a pumpkin, but I like to number them so they can see their progress. Mm -hmm. Then the class earns like, for example, a pumpkin spice cookie party or whatever it is, something simple and easy. Maybe they earn extra gym time to work off the pumpkin spice cookies. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> you want to do. But it's so simple and easy. And what I love about this is because you can so easily switch this up for different occasions. Like I've used cupcake points for Valentine's Day. I know that's not exactly so healthy. Popsicle points for towards the end of the school year. But you can really flex with this classroom management hack and grab it and use it for any season. You could do snowflake points for the winter so that it's not necessarily tied to food. But for some reason, I'm on food today. I might be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this. And I, I mean, I would do things like tally marks. Yes. But I can yeah. see how it's like, Tally marks aren't very exciting, but like a pumpkin patch, that's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. And it's visual. That's the it other is, part of it, right? Absolutely. Just having that visual reminder of, oh, we've earned a pumpkin or we, or maybe we have to lose a pumpkin. Like yeah. we can also take pumpkins away if we need to. Well, and I love how you said it's a seasonal experience that we need to sort of plan ahead to. And I was even thinking, you know, most teachers usually plan some sort of holiday experience for their students, whether yes. it's a holiday party or they watch a movie the last couple of days. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you know at the end of winter or right before winter break, you're going to be watching a movie anyways. Yeah. Your kids don't need to know that. You might as well right. have them work towards it. <laughs> so their pumpkin points can be working towards something that's already on your calendar anyways. But I love just this idea of, okay, we need to make our classroom management seasonal and you can yes. take a system like this and customize it, whether it's for Halloween, for Thanksgiving, snowflake points for winter. Yeah. Love those ideas. You're right. So simple, but also I feel like so much more engaging and fun for students than just like the random tally marks that I would like yeah. to put on the board. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Okay. So I feel like teachers often ask, and especially not that I want to be like test prep is just around the corner, but we're sort of like into the school year and we're starting to spiral review and go back and Things that we've taught, you know, in September, we need to constantly review so they stay top of mind with our students. Do you have any hacks or ideas that don't really require a lot of prep that would be easy for teachers when it comes to reviewing material with their students? Yeah, actually, I came up with this one. I didn't come up with it. I saw this one in another teacher's classroom when I was subbing and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. So simple, so easy. So it's a great review activity, and it's also a great way to check in with your students every Friday. I call it one, two, three, four Friday. And it works really well, especially not just as a review activity, but if you're wondering if something maybe is off with one of your students 
or there's something going on that you need to know about. So it isn't just for review. And that's what I love about it. It requires absolutely zero prep. So all you need is a blank piece of paper for each student. Literally use it anytime you want to do a quick check-in with your students, especially, like I said, if you have a student that you think maybe something's going on with. So you give each student a blank piece of lined paper and then have them fold it into fourths. So then they write a number in each quadrant, one, two, three, four. And in the first quadrant, they write something their teacher should know. The second quadrant, they write two friends who were helpful or kind or positive in some way that week. So you can give them a standing ovation or whatever you want to do if you want to randomly call out students. And then three and four is tied to what you're learning. So you could do three, whatever it is, three planets you were studying that week or three shapes that you were studying, whatever it is that you've been learning in class that week. But that way you can get a quick snapshot of what students actually know, but you also get a bigger, broader perspective of how kids are doing and if there's other things that might be interfering with their learning. Because I think not just knowing exactly what kids are retaining in terms of the knowledge and the information that you're giving them, but also, is there something getting in the way of them being able to learn that you might need to know about? That's why I kind of like this for every Friday, kind of right before they go home, there's no risk to them because they know that you're going to take it and you're going to look at it over the weekend. And then maybe you can talk to them about on Monday. So I love that. I love this routine for so many things. And I'm even thinking it's like you gave suggestions for like the one, two, three, four, but like teachers could customize this. Like what's one question you have about something we learned this week or, you know, two things you learned or whatever it is, you can Mm -hmm. switch it up. But I love this is just like a regular sort of review routine, whether it's reviewing classroom management procedures, classroom community expectations, SEL content, math, reading, science, social studies, like whatever you've taught, you can easily customize the one, two, three, four. And if students are used to every Friday folding the paper, writing one, two, three, four, yes. it's okay if you switch out like, hey, this Friday, I want you to do, you know, one, two, you know, whatever that is. But I love that. That's so brilliant. And you're right. So quick and such an easy way for you to check in both, I think, academically and on the social emotional level, just to see if there's anything that's going on with your students. I've also like switched it up, especially seasonally, like we're talking about. It's really fun if you make it really fun at some point. Like, so for example, instead of just review activities or asking serious things, ask them if you've heard a good joke this week to write it down. Oh, that's And then you can share the jokes on Monday morning or who would like to share one of their jokes. Those kinds of things, if they know that you're switching it up all the time, but they know they're going to do one, two, three, four Friday, they can come up with ideas too, which is really fun. You can have them submit a question or submit an idea for our one, two, three, four Friday activity or whatever you're going to call it. It's really fun to get the kids involved. Oh, I yeah, I love that. Or even thinking of like, what's one thing you're looking forward to this weekend? You yes. know, I feel like even questions or not, like that. We're not looking forward to, right? Right. You know, but I feel like those types of things are such an easy way for you to get to know your students. And like you said, it's like, if they understand that my teacher is invested in me yes. on all levels, right? They just don't want to know about like my academics, but like, you know, personally, that's going to help with the investment. But man, that's a good one. I, I hear these ideas from you and I'm like, oh, I wish that I was in the I classroom. Know, right? so Me too. I can still do that. Okay. One of the things that I struggled with when I was in the classroom was keeping students' work organized. Yeah, I feel like I struggled to organize student work. And especially if students didn't finish their work, I was always like, should I collect it? Should I not collect it? Should they keep it in a folder? Should it go in a bin? Like, (laughs) where does this go? So do you have any suggestions or hacks to help teachers to keep student work organized? Yeah, I'm always looking for organization hacks because I figure teachers, like we love those organizational bins. We love anything that lets us color code and organize. I don't know what it is. It's in our DNA. But I wanted to include this hack today because it's one of those other things that nobody teaches us in college 
we make the mistake of thinking that classroom management is only about managing students, but it's so much bigger than that. Classroom management is not just about that. It's about managing our space and the materials, managing our planning, managing our paper. Paper is a big one. I have a 12 paper management system and data. Like it's literally, and it's also about managing parents. And we'll talk about that too in a bit. So this is a super cute hack for managing student work. So basically all you do is you get three folders in three different colors that you see on traffic lights, a red folder, a yellow folder, and a green folder. However, you label them a little differently. So I call this hack ketchup, mustard, and pickles folders. So you're nodding your head. I was going to say, I see where this this is going and it's making me hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We're all about food today. (laughs) Pumpkin spice cookies. So ketchup is for work that students need to catch up on. Mustard is for work the students must do. And then pickles is for when everything is done and you get to pick a fun activity to keep you busy. So you could use three bins, you could use three folders, but if the students always know that when they're not finished work, they need to put it in the must do folder, or if they need to catch up on something and they're really far behind, they need to put it in that one. So you can determine how you want to organize the student work based on your what you're teaching in your own classroom. But I love that idea for helping to just have a visual and it's fun. I mean, if there's work that they have to catch up on, it's more fun to call it the catch up folder than it is the you have to finish your work folder. But the other thing you can do, and I've seen this in teachers' classrooms before too, it works really well, is just to keep not finished files. And so it sounds more official than it is. Basically, you just Velcro or tape a Ziploc bag to the side of each student's desk. And then you have students place any work that's not yet finished in the bag. And what I love about that is it's a quick visual reference, especially in upper elementary when you're teaching. They might not want the ketchup, mustard, and pickle folder. They might think, oh, that's too young. So if you feel that way and you're like, no, I'd like something a little bit more advanced, then that's just a quick visual reference to see what work still needs to be completed and kids can take responsibility for finishing their work. And you can see it really quickly. First of all, I know for a fact that upper kids would get a kick out of the ketchup, mustard, and pickles. I feel like we always were always like, you know, upper elementary kids are so mature. It's like, no, they still laugh at the silly jokes. They love like all of the, they do. you yeah. know, so yeah, they would get a kick out of that. But I love the visual, even just thinking for like a teacher to see on the Ziploc yeah. bag on the side of the desk, you know, because it's like one of those things where I struggled with time management. And sometimes we'd be like, okay, we're going to finish this up later. Like put this in your desk, we'll pull it out. But it's like, if students who are not finished, it's like, put that in the Ziploc bag. Then even as a teacher, I can gauge, does half my class have work that they need to finish up? Like, is it one or two? Is it everybody? So I feel like that's just even a great visual for teachers if they need help figuring out the pacing of their lessons throughout the week. And that's super easy to do. Yeah. And if they have a lot in their bag, then you know, okay, wait a minute, maybe I overplanned. Or maybe I did a little, ask for them to do a little bit too much and they need a little more time. So it is a quick visual, which I love. I'm highly visual in my classroom to see how many students are finished their work or need more time. Okay. Love it. Again, I'm always like, I wish I was back in the classroom because I know I can see that working. Okay. So one of the things that I feel like teachers ask about a lot are one, like, how can I use something and not spend a ton of money, but the mini whiteboards, right? I use those a lot when I was in the classroom. I feel like that is a staple. The -hmm. problem is when it comes time to erase, the mini racers are expensive. And I feel like sometimes I'd be like, just use your hand, like wipe your hand. And then they would like wipe it on their pants. And then I'm like, I'm worried. I'm going to have like parents emailing me to be like, my child's pants are like covered in this like, you know, marker (laughs) dust or whatever. So anyways, all that to say, Do you have any hacks that are appropriate alternatives 
for the mini whiteboard erasers that teachers could use. Yeah, this one might be my favorite one because it's so simple. And I remember hitting myself on the head going, oh my gosh, Lori, like, how did you not think of this sooner? So I don't know about you, but managing student materials was literally one of my biggest challenges when I first started teaching. It used to drive me crazy. I'd spend my hard-earned money on my classroom and then my materials would get lost or stolen or kids wouldn't take care of them or whatever it was. And we all know, like you said, those student erasers for those mini whiteboards can get super expensive because they don't last very long or kids lose them or whatever. But this is such a great alternative. You go to the dollar store, probably our favorite place on earth as teachers next to Staples or any office supply (laughs) store. And especially as at this time of the year, as the weather gets colder, pick up a dozen of those mini gloves that you get for like 99 cents yes. in gray or black, right? Yes. Oh, Fantastic smart. dry erasers. Literally kids put them on their hands. They yep. get to wipe the whiteboard clean with their hand like they want to do anyway. And you can wash them so easily. Like I could just take them all in a little trash bag on the weekend, wash them, throw them in my washer and bring them back. And they're fresh and new That's again. So smart. Cause one yeah. pair is two students. Right. Yeah. And I've also seen teachers store the whiteboards in the fingers, <gasps> right? Cause there's four fingers, yeah. right? So if you have four colors, like usually it's red, blue, green, and black. Right. And so if you put the four in the four fingers, they are literally have their whiteboard erasers and their whiteboard markers right there. Isn't that brilliant? So simple, right? <laughs> I'm like, drop the mic episodes over. I know, over. right? You just walk away right <laughs> I wanna, now. <laughs> I want to go now to the dollar store and I want to make my own little mini whiteboard kit because yeah, that's brilliant. That's so smart, especially with putting the markers in the fingers of the gloves. And it's so funny. Whenever I bring these hacks episodes to Sarah, she's like, what is she going to talk about today? Like, <laughs> <we> just <laughs> <never know. laughs> I love it. These, you're, seriously, I feel like you're... Your creativity to helping teachers solve some of the like legit real challenges. It's like whiteboard erasers. Like that is a problem that teachers have that (laughs) nobody tells you about in college. So I love this because it's like that legit is going to help a teacher's life be so much easier and help students, you know, be so much easier. And I think if anything, like one of the things I think about with the whiteboard challenge is not just the eraser issue, but also like the markers, the marker cast. But if there's a place where the markers go and they look cool, right? They look like a little hand. I mean, yep. Anything to make it cute, kids are all in, right? Well, and I I appreciate it. And I'm like, oh, the next time you come on my podcast, we might need to dig in more about classroom management in terms of like the paper management, the materials management, because I struggled with paper. I struggled with materials, you know, and sometimes we do the all or nothing. It's like, I gave my students math manipulatives. They couldn't use it. So I took them away. We tried the mini whiteboards. They lost them. You know, we took them away. But I think it comes down to figuring out systems for the materials and the paper and the things that you want to do. And you just have such a good systems brain. So I love, I love your suggestions and just all these things. Yeah. So, okay. One of the things that I remembered, I did a lot with my students and I, I, I could always tell, and I, you know, kind of like what you were saying at the beginning of the year is that classroom management is seasonal. And I could always sort of tell it's like, okay, this is not working anymore. Right. We have to come up with something else, but we would do a lot of callbacks in my classroom. But I feel like sometimes they would get bored with them, you know, and unfortunately, I feel like sometimes I would just like lack creativity and my go-to would always be like, okay, one, two, three, eyes on me. Yeah. And then my students would like respond with zero energy, like one, two, <laughs> eyes on you. And I'm like, okay, this whatever. Is not and I know that I know that there are like fun ways out there, but like, yeah. do you have other hacks or suggestions if teachers run out of ideas for the callbacks on things that they can do to get students' attention? Yes. One of my favorites right now, and when I first shared this hack, by the way, teachers were like, what? (laughs) I showed them what it was and they're like, how are you going to use that? Okay. It works so well. It does double duty for when you want or need to really calm your kiddos. So we're talking about Halloween. Kids are going to come back hopped up on sugar. 
And you don't just need a callback. You need to calm your kids. This comes in really handy. I really wish I had it with me, but it's a yoga chime. Have you ever heard a yoga chime before? Yes. And we actually, I was at a school once that gave every teacher a yoga chime and they did not explain how to use them. And of course, teachers teachers would use it as like, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I'm like, that's not how they're supposed to be used. But we had a yoga chime at one of my school's ones. Keep on going. I'm so excited for this. So as a classroom reset, you can use your yoga chime. And for those of you who haven't heard a yoga chime, I'm going to try and do an impersonation of it. You're going to laugh your head off. But it's like it's like a that sound that you hear in yoga. It's like a very deep sound like ding. And the sound actually extends really long, like for almost 30 seconds. And that's the time when you're supposed to be practicing your breathing. So if you have a mic in your classroom or any way to amplify the sound at all, because they are a little bit quiet. But if you can just amplify, you can even play one on on YouTube. I think you can type in yoga chime and actually get the fake sound if you want to, because then you can make it as loud as you want. But you ding the yoga chime and it's this initial ding, but you teach your students how to take deep breaths when they hear it. So it's you hear the sound and then you go one, two, three in. Hold it. One, two, three. Out. One, two, three. In. One, two, three. Hold. One, two, three. Out. One, two, three. And you let them do that until they hear the chime fading away. And you can do three sets of them. Usually one wasn't enough for my kids. When I did this, they were like, do it again, do it again. Because they don't even realize how nuts their brains are until you start doing something like this and until you bring their energy down. It's like they aren't even realizing how hyped up they are, especially when they have had sugar or they haven't had enough sleep. Like Halloween is the perfect storm for us feeling like crazy, right? And the kids are the same way. So especially with mindfulness becoming more and more popular in classrooms, I feel like using a yoga time is an amazing strategy to start implementing more mindfulness in your classroom and helping kids to be more aware of their energy and taking that breath and calming down and getting centered again. So again, you can Google it if my sound was terrible, but (laughs) actually I was going to say you created a really good yoga time. And I was like, that's perfect. (laughs) But I, I love this. And I mean, even as I'm like, literally like, as I'm sitting here, you talk about like breathing, I'm just like, Oh, like my shoulders (sighs) are relaxing. It's just like a little sort of like brings it down a little bit. But yeah. I think like in my classroom, I remember I, I loved letting my students collaborate. I loved letting them work in groups. We yeah. always had, you know, kids out of their desks, on the back table, on the carpet. But sometimes when students are working in groups, it can get just a little bit like amped up, you know, yes. the energy is high, everybody's talking. And then when everybody's talking, everybody's volume gets a little bit louder. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, we're yeah. <laughs> a little bit, we need to center it. But like, yeah, that's the perfect time to, you don't even have to communicate to them like what you need them to do. It's like, Hey, we're just going to breathe. And then you're going to carry on with what you were doing. And more than likely you're going to be a little bit more just centered. I mean, going back to what you said, I, I really need to do an episode on mindfulness Yes, because I just think we live in such an overstimulated world and yes. our students live and experience so much stimulation that sometimes they, they, like you were saying, they don't even realize how chaotic their brains are or just how much is happening around them. And just to give them a couple minutes, and even if it's like teaching them to close their eyes and take a few deep breaths, that can do so much just for even the tension in their bodies, you know? Yeah. So I just feel like that's such a good, it's sort of like it's a dual purpose, right? Like you're going to get their attention. They're going yeah. to, you know, be refocused, but you're also giving them just a chance to relax a little bit. 
And students match our energy. I mean, if you can bring yourself down to being calm and centered and you remind them what their voices should sound like in the classroom, and if you bring your voice down and have them breathe, then their voices match you. And it's really kind of cool when you start resetting their voice level and you just, it's just a reminder. It's a gentle reminder. And then we can move back into the flow of the day and they'll get, they'll get wild again and we'll bring them back down. But I know my students, especially a lot of my more introverted, quiet students who did not appreciate a loud environment really loved when I brought out the ogre time. So. Oh, absolutely. I'm even thinking there are those moments where it's like, my students are fine, but I am not like yes. <laughs> as a teacher, like I'm getting really, you know, whether it's overwhelmed or frustrated yeah. or you're, you're thinking about, you know, the meeting you had earlier or yes. something that's happening at home. So teachers, even for yourself, if you're like, I need a yes. moment, like a moment. this can be helpful for you <laughs> to recenter yourself, you know? Yep, Absolutely. So I love that. Okay. I feel like this is also the time of year where teachers and students are coming out of the honeymoon period. Everyone is comfortable with each other. There's no more sort of like you putting on the best behavior. And I feel like this is when like the chatty students come out of the woodwork. What suggestions do you have or what hacks do you have if teachers have a couple of really super chatty students? Yeah, like I know that the whole class can get super chatty sometimes, but I find that there's often the ringleaders. Like there's two or three that literally seem incapable of silence. And so those two or three that are constantly interrupting the lesson, I love this for these students in particular. I call it behavior bracelets. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I haven't. Basically, you pull those two students into the hallway. And what really works well is if you tell them that they're going to be on a super secret mission with you. And so you wear five or 10 bracelets on one of your wrists and they can just be elastics. If you don't have bracelets, don't worry about it. This should not stop you. Tomorrow, if you want to try this, do this. You could use those cheap beaded bracelets you get on Amazon. There's a lot of cute ones. I was looking up a whole bunch of ones on Amazon. Or even like hair ties. I always have yes, a hair, hair tie ties. around my wrist. Scrunchies. You'd have a lot of scrunchies. But anyway, each time one of them blurts or talks out of turn, you just take one of your bracelets and you move it to the other wrist. You don't say a thing. You just move it to the other wrist. And if you have any bracelets left on your left wrist by the end of the day, they get something special. Like whatever it is that you're using in your school or your classroom, maybe you let them line up first. Maybe you let them have first choice of the brain break, whatever it is. But what I love about this idea is that it's subtle. Nobody else knows what's going on. Some kids might pick up on it, but usually they don't know except for those two students. So it adds that little extra layer of secrecy. And they're like, at the end of the day, do we, do we get it? Do we get how many bracelets do you have on? And it's fun to encourage those students to pay better attention rather than like, hey, hey, warning, warning, warning. It helps them to make more positive choices and to start just being aware that they're blurting. Sometimes those kids actually literally do not even notice that they're doing it. They're not trying to intentionally be bad or disrespectful. They literally cannot help themselves. And so it's just a way of helping them to reframe their thinking around, oh, wait, and being aware of what they're actually doing so they don't disrupt your classroom. I love this idea for, and of course, like when you share an idea, I'm like, oh, how can this be like used for like other things? But I, yeah. I love this as sort of a personalized management system because like you said, it is subtle. Like nobody else would know what you're doing if you just take the bracelet off. I feel like I would have to make sure I'm not like playing with the bracelet, you know, <laughs> know accidentally moving, moving around. Them. But I can see how if a student blurts, but I could also see something like I had on occasion, some students who were almost like painfully shy And we would make it like your goal is to ask, you know, three questions during the day or, you know, you, whatever it is, if you have a student that you're working with any sort of like one-on-one behavior plan, you could modify this behavior bracelets to where if you notice that student 
they are asking questions, like then you move the, you know, the behavior racist, or if it's, they're being a leader or they're, I always had students that would rush to the front of the line. Like some students that would run and and like, we have a number order anyways. Like, why are you (laughs) running? You know where you stand, you know, but it's like, whatever, whatever sort of the behavior is that you're trying to curb one-on-one, I feel like you could use this system. And I love it because it's just like, it's very subtle. It's a visual reminder for that student that nobody else has to know about. And that's the thing about, I think, hacks. Whenever you see a teacher doing something in their classroom and you love the idea, your brain starts going to, oh, how else could I use this? Or I could put my own twist on it. And I love hearing the creative ideas that teachers come up with when I share these. They're like, oh, and I use that, but I do this. And it's that's the fun of teaching. That's part of what we love so much, right? Is that creativity. And I mean, I think kind of going back to what you said at the very beginning, it's like this idea that classroom management is seasonal. And what we did at the beginning of the year isn't going to work yes. in the middle or at the end. And so I think the more sort of like tricks you can have in your you know, yes. back pocket, tools in your bank, whatever it is, none of those analogies work, but <laughs> whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. The more sort of strategies that you have yes. or can modify and adjust, the easier it's going to be for you to be like, I have these students, they're talking or my class yep. needs attention or we need help lining up or I need help managing paper, whatever it is, you have more than one option that can help you with yes. that sort of aspect of your classroom management. That's part of what I... I mean, I don't want to plug anything here. I'm not literally plugging anything on your show, but that is part of the reasoning behind thinking of a membership for new teachers about classroom management. I want to create a hack bank. I want to literally create an incredible reservoir of resources for them whenever they have something coming up because both you and I know that is the biggest challenge, in my opinion, one of the biggest challenges is just not having these ideas at your fingertips because you haven't had the experience yet. So I do love the idea. I have, I'm calling it a hack bank. Inside I love the membership. that. Yeah. It's not open to the public or anything, so you can't get in, but it's just an idea that's brewing that I think came from this organic desire to really help teachers to manage their classrooms better. If you're listening and that sounds like something that you'd want, reach out to Lori <laughs> and be like, how do I get access to this hack bank? But yeah, and I think, you know, kind of going back to your point, it's like sometimes you don't know until you experience like, okay, how do I deal with this? But also sometimes it's like, wait, in the moment I have this challenge and it would be nice if I knew how I could address it. So I, I think just, you know, even if you're hearing, hearing ideas, strategies, seeing them on social media, sort of just like the more, I don't know, awareness of possible solutions to your classroom management problems, the easier it is for them not to even yeah. become problems because you've got a strategy. It's like, great, in the moment, I know exactly what to do. Yeah. So I know that we are in, I know this episode is airing on Halloween and I feel like this is the time of year where teachers are getting ready for parent-teacher conferences. I feel like we always had them between Halloween and Thanksgiving was kind of the time of year that we had them. But I also know that they happen right after winter break and in the spring. So even if teachers have already had them, they're not over for the year. Do you have any tips? Because I know you said at the very beginning that managing parent communication is part of classroom management. So do you have any hacks when it comes to managing communication with parents during conferences? Yes. So especially because when we think about this broader perspective and understanding of classroom management or managing our classrooms of just not being about managing students, literally some of the most stressful parts of managing our classrooms, in my opinion, at least especially as a new teacher, because a lot of the parents were older than me, was managing the parents during parent-teacher conferences because stress is high. Mm-hmm. We, as especially new teachers, can be especially nervous, but all teachers, I think, get nervous around this time of the year for a lot, a lot of the time. So a lot of experienced teachers might know this hack, but it's definitely worth mentioning again because it's something I had to continually remind myself about, especially during those high-stress situations when I wasn't looking forward to a parent meeting. And it's 
this. It's the sandwich method. You know about this one? I have never heard about this. So again, we're on this food thing. So I'm going to have to get yeah. to the snack after, <laughs> after this episode. Method. Never even thought of that. That's funny. I must've been hungry when I wrote this episode for you. Okay. So basically nobody wants to come to your classroom to only hear negative things about their child. So you build your sandwich. You start with, when you interact with the parent, something positive. So something their child is really good at, has improved in, and then you build in the meat, something that their child needs to work on. And then you finish the other bread with something else soft that is positive about their child. So for example, how this would look in practice is you're meeting Brandon's parents. And so Brandon has had some behavior issues. So you start with the positive. Brandon was so sweet and coming to Sam's defense in the playground this week. I'm so excited to tell you about this. It was so amazing to watch him help his friend and to show Sam so much kindness. I was so proud of him. One thing I'd love to see Brandon continue to work on, here's the meat, if you're vegetarian, the vegetables, (laughs) learning how to manage his anger more effectively. So sometimes Brandon can really lose his temper when things don't go his way. It can be really challenging for other kids. It can damage his relationships when he says or does things in anger. I'd love to brainstorm ideas with you for how we can work together to help Brandon work on this skill set. But here's the bread, the softness. I also want to tell you, I'm so proud of Brandon for using our calm down corner more regularly when he does get angry. It was wonderful to see him remove himself from the group when he started to get angry and practice taking his deep breaths because we've done that with the yoga time in the calm down corner. And of course, if Brandon is there with you, you even say right in front of him, I'm so proud of you, Brandon. You are a little superstar. I know you can do this. But sandwiching that information and that request for growth between two positives can really soften what you need to say to parents. They may not have even heard the criticism in that because what I want them to hear is how awesome Brandon is and also what we need to work on. I love that. Okay, teachers, go back the last 90 seconds and re-listen to what Lori just said (laughs) and write that out because that framework, seriously, whether it is behavioral concern, academic concern, attendance concern, I mean, whatever it is, even if it's a parental concern, you could probably repackage that. You know, you you can use that same sort of like framework. And I I love how you said like the end, the bread is not just the positive, but like the softness, right? It's like, you know, I'd remind myself sometimes it's like when you have that challenging student, sometimes, you know, you are with them a lot. And sometimes their challenges can be really frustrating as a teacher. But we have to remind ourselves that parents are giving us their absolute pride and joy. They're, you know, 100% their best. It's like, they're sending the thing that they love the most in the world yes. to spend all day with us. And we need to keep that in mind. And so even if there is something that you know a student needs to work on, and the reality of it is, is everybody has things they can improve upon, we still need to celebrate the, the positives and you know the great things about those kids. And I think it's just you know even a reminder as teachers, it's like, okay, I need to really spend some time making sure that I do have something positive yes. that I can celebrate for each kid because every kid does have a set of strengths. If it's not academic or behavioral, like there is something that I can celebrate even if it's growth. So I, I just love that. And seriously, the way that you just like went through that, I'm like, if I were a parent, I'd feel really proud to have Brandon. A Brandon who throws a chair across the room when he's angry. Right. (laughs) But I also love how you said, I'd love to brainstorm, you know, cause you're making it then you're not just saying, Hey, this is your problem. You need to fix him. No, we're going to work on this together. So I love how collaborative you're making the conversation with that. So that is seriously, go back teachers, listen to what she said, take some notes and use that as your framework for conferences, because I think that's so good. Or even emails, you could use that same template. If you're sending an email to a parent, you know, the start with a positive collaborative, you know, how can we collaborate to find a solution to this problem? But let me remind you of the strength as well. Yeah. And 
It's really effective to remember. I mean, when I'm planning for conferences, for example, I have a one pager for each child of just quick notes. And I write in pink anything that's a highlight or a positive, And I write in green anything that is a room for growth. Green is for grass, for growth, right? So those are the growth areas. But that way, at a glance, I can start with any positive on that sheet because it's in pink. So anything that I want to comment on in any subject area that's positive, it's pink. And anything negative or growth is green. And just if you can come up with your own system so that as a glance, you can see it, it can literally just roll off your tongue like it did sounded like when I did it here because you have a, a framework for it on your page. So it's pretty simple. I love that. I mean, even I'm thinking too, even conferences that you do with your students, you can use that exact same, yeah. that exact same framework to have a one-on-one conversation with a kid. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I also, one, thank you so much for coming on and sharing these hacks. I seriously, like I said before, I love just how creative you are at coming up with solutions to like real problems that teachers have. So thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast again. Of course, I'm already looking forward to our next interview, but in case my audience wants to continue to connect with you and have more conversations about classroom management hacks, where can they find you on the internet? So I am on Instagram and I have a private Facebook group called Beginning Teacher Talk. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook that way. And I'm also new on TikTok, which is hilarious, but I'm starting to share hacks on TikTok. So that's going to be fun. And I also have the Beginning Teacher Talk podcast. So I did a series of hacks episodes as well. So if you're into hacks the way I am, then it might be something you're interested in. And if you want an ultimate classroom management checklist, I have a special freebie for you. If you need some help troubleshooting your classroom management, if you want my help figuring out ways that you can streamline what you're currently doing in your own classroom to improve and help your classroom run even more smoothly, I will give that link to Sarah and she can include it in the show notes. Absolutely. We will link to that checklist along with all of her connection links, her Instagram, TikTok, podcast in our show notes as well. So definitely go check that out. And do not let the beginning teacher talk discourage you from connecting with Lori, because even if you've been teaching for four, five, six, seven, ten 10 years, if you want to continue to grow and improve in the area of classroom management, Lori seriously is the best of the best and has just so many great, like you've heard here, classroom management hacks and wisdom to share with teachers, even if they are beyond the beginning phase. So do not let the beginning teacher talk discourage you. But if you are a first year, first year, second or third year teacher, you for sure need to connect with her. So Lori, again, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation to have. Thank you so much for having me as always. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.